Welcome to the Rhodes Trust Roads Ahead series, bringing you thought leadership from the Rhodes community around the world. In this set of podcasts, recorded during the inaugural Schwarzman Rhodes Symposium at Rhodes House, Oxford in October 2018, our contributors reflect on public leadership in the 21st century, in particular the challenges of ethical leadership, cultural understanding, and communication in today's fast-moving interconnected world. We hear now from Professor Rob Steiner, Director of Fellowships in Global Journalism at the Monk School of Global Affairs, University of Toronto. I'm Rob Steiner. I'm the Director of the Fellowship in Global Journalism at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy at the University of Toronto. About seven years ago, we created this program. I think it remains the only one of its kind in the world. The program, in brief, recruits folks from around the world who have subject matter knowledge, either by virtue of their being academics or professionals. They've worked in a field. They know the field well. And we're teaching them journalism skills so that they can also function as freelance journalists or even full-time staff reporters and bring a deeper level of knowledge to the coverage of their own disciplines. What I started to see about eight years ago was a set of events in media that were bringing things to a head. On the one hand, the media that were actually growing, or at least had the prospects of growing, were the ones that start to really go niche in a sense and start to give much deeper coverage of specific issues to knowledgeable audiences who just had an insatiable appetite for it. That was true of established media organizations who saw this coming and of new startups on everything from vice catering to a particular demographic and age group to scientific publications, SIAM that wanted to broaden out from just academics to cater to all sorts of folks who are interested in science. So there was a need for more specialized coverage that had to be deep and consistent. On the other hand, news organizations were laying off their beat reporters. And the journalism schools were, I suppose, trying to find a way to fill the gap by offering a month-long course in science or a month course in business or a month course in something else to try to bring some generalists up to speed on what that specialty might be. I'd been a business reporter, and then I went to business school. I did my MBA, took two years, and realized at the end of the two years, in fact, well, before that, that I'd spent six years as a Wall Street Journal finance reporter without really understanding finance. So I knew that it was almost impossible to give someone the depth of knowledge to cover their field in only a month. And I also realized it was much easier to teach someone journalism in eight months than it is to teach someone medicine or architecture in eight months. So that's where this came from. It was actually to fill a need for media partners and also to provide a very different kind of teaching that was not going to be theory-based. It was going to be entirely practicum-based with a framework of skills introduction, but where people would really get the experience, the mentored experience of working as real journalists for eight months before they're let loose on their own. We're engaged in a particular kind of journalism training where there are some unique dilemmas that come up, but I think that they're increasingly characteristic of things that journalism media as a whole are going to be experiencing, particularly in the free world where there's protection of the free press. There are all sorts of challenges, of course, but the one that I feel I'm most acutely involved in is one where journalists increasingly are not just wearing one hat. When I was a reporter, I was only a reporter, and I was only allowed to be a reporter. The Wall Street Journal paid everything for me. They paid my housing when I was overseas. I had a dental plan, sort of. I had a health plan, the rest of it. And in exchange for that job certainty and for their full coverage, I could do nothing else. I could not be involved in any cause. I couldn't belong to a political party. I couldn't advocate for anything. They owned my public intellect, which was a fine arrangement. I got a little restless with it after a while, but it was a fine arrangement for the time. Today, more and more media are engaging folks 
who are also involved in their fields. And that is a compromise they have to make because they can no longer afford to pay for the dental, the kid's school benefit, or to provide lifetime employment the way they could when I was a young reporter. So they have to wrestle with the fact that people who are covering subjects for them are also likely to be involved in the subjects. That presents real challenges for media, just to be comfortable with that, to, on the one hand, not turn a complete blind eye to it and pretend that it's not happening. And on the other hand, not to be so rigid as to say, if you are involved in any way in a topic, you cannot report on it, which is unrealistic and I think inappropriate. For journalists that I teach, it presents a real challenge because on any given Tuesday, you might be a physician working on the clinic, advocating in your system, in your hospital, in your health system for certain kinds of changes. And then you might also be expected to write a story and do so with a genuinely open mind and really shape the public discussion. So balancing these different things is complicated. It's ultimately very enriching, but it can be quite frightening for a lot of journalists. The public space now, you could look at this in almost any society, and I think that it is probably as true of authoritarian societies as it is of open societies. The public space now is increasingly polarized, and polarization becomes a spiral. The more polarized it is, the more extreme people get, the more polarized they become, the less common space there actually is. People blame media for a lot of that. To some degree, that's true, although I think that's highly simplistic. I think actually journalism is trying to strive against that. And the mission, the calling for journalism, the summons, if you will, in the 21st century is to be that space that actively depolarizes. You can do that if you bear a particular kind of definition in mind. In my mind, the definition of journalism, it's not overly ambitious. It's that journalism is the work of deepening an honest understanding about the world around us in live time. And the in live time part is what makes it distinct from scholarship which is also equally vital for different dimensions of the public debate. But journalism is about deepening an honest understanding, not establishing the final truth, not even seeking truth, because truth itself is a bit of a rubber word, and there's no single perspective on truth. But if we pursue journalism as deepening an honest understanding of the world around us in live time, one piece at a time, one 800-word story or one podcast or one two-minute radio pack at a time, making the honest effort to understand the topic that you're covering. That's not only the mandate of journalism, but I think drop by drop actually allows journalism to depolarize our discussions, which is what we desperately need right across the board. That was Professor Rob Steiner, Director of Fellowships in Global Journalism at the Monk School of Global Affairs, University of Toronto. You have been listening to the Roads Ahead series on public leadership. We do hope you can join us for our next podcast. 